to the collapse of Western democracy. Already in progress. I mean, two girls, one podcast. A show about Sonic the Hedgehog fan fiction or whatever. And now here are the hosts who are so informed that disinformation cries whenever it finds them. Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. We're so happy to have you here. I'm going to tell you who we are. Um, Allie and I are performers. We had a live comedy show where we use the internet as our script called Bloglogs. We then had a web series, which you can find on Hoo-Ha-Ha, called Two Girls, One Show. And in that, we met the people behind the post, went on adventures with them. And now we're here with this podcast, Two Girls, One Podcast, in which we're talking to people behind internet communities and about phenomena that we find interesting. Uh, This is with The Daily Dot. And our producer is here as well. Hello, Matthew. Hello. You are a giant asshole. Wow, I didn't mean I didn't I didn't know what that the, my soundboard just said know. it just said asshole and I clicked it and so there you go. Wow. You are made a giant asshole. He made these cues, <laughs> pretends not to know what they are, and then insults himself. I it's don't trying. know what your end game is here, but I know quarantine's yeah. been rough on all of us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for understanding. I just wanted to wish you all, uh, I know I don't want to date when we've recorded this, but a happy month anniversary. Oh, right. From no. the insurrection. Okay. <laughs> I was like, is that what we're getting at? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Today we're, we're getting into a subreddit called The Donald um, that has now transitioned into a different type of site, which we'll hear about in a little bit. Um, and we're speaking with a writer, um, a columnist uh, who's worked for a lot of publications, but he's currently working on this disinformation project, the Daily, the Daily Dot, and had spent a significant amount of time lurking on the Donald and is going to tell us what he found there. But Ali, you want to give some context on what the Donald was? A delightful community. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because we started this podcast at... I feel like I, I feel like it was like a transition point in the internet, right? Because it, it it did start with such hope of people finding each other and connecting, and that element is still there. And then you have the dark side, which are communities like the Donald, and so that's where we're going to go today. And specifically, we're focusing on disinformation. I love how Jen was like, Ellie didn't answer my question. So (laughs) specifically, yeah. I I rambled and realized I didn't say it, then I put it on you. No, girl, you're good, you're good. (laughs) It's just Jen being like way too polite to me. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of disinformation out there. So we want to address this. Yeah, some people think that your voice is my voice and my voice is your voice. And that's some disinfo right there. uh, Right there. That is dangerous. Uh, yes. dangerous disinformation if you yeah, ask me because people think straight. they're jerking off to my voice but it's jen's voice do yeah, you know you what i mean yeah oh, i man. do yeah <laughs> i hope you don't know matt <laughs> <laughs> he definitely knows He's like, yep, just I do. be clean have some source of income and well hung <laughs> i need that i need that audio clip <laughs> yep i'll send it that's your new, your new ringtone Oh, my God. That's exactly what I wanted for. Please send that to me. You got it.
just don't spread disinformation. You know, we're going to get digital literacy a little bit. And, you know, we think it's a huge problem. So we're actually, we're talking about it today. And we also have a, you know, future episode, at least one, it's going to be about this as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we, we are, jokes aside, uh, scare-sighted about these episodes, we think, um, or I don't know, what do you guys think? I Because I, I guess I, I think this, I don't know about you two yet, but like I think that the media is not quite talking about disinformation enough. Like they're talking, they're kind of dancing around it. Or even I think when the media focuses too much on like, what is QAnon? I don't know. I just think disinformation is such a huge, huge problem. And, you know, Facebook does its apology tour, but does nothing. And it's Mm -hmm. really ruining the world. (laughs) The more mainstream media outlets are like, QAnon, this is so crazy. Isn't it crazy what's on the internet? But they Mm -hmm. don't discuss like how internet and platforms and communities are facilitating the information. I totally agree. Not to toot the horn of my company and my employer, but as Jen alluded to earlier, we just put out uh, this fantastic package about disinformation, many uh, multiple stories, including the one that Alex, our guest, wrote about how disinformation was spread by the Trump campaign, his associates and inner circles, and by the internet communities at large that congregated around this stuff and and where it spreads, how it spreads. So I'll put a link to the package in the show notes because, you know, you can listen to some of it today and next week. But there's also a a bunch of great stories on the site that uh, I have no involvement in it. It is uh, the work of uh, some really talented writers and editors who have been uh, working on this stuff for, you know, the last four years, basically. Yeah, I, I actually don't think the Daily Doc gets enough credit. I know they're like our producing company. So this sounds like an ad, but like I do. <laughs> I do think they do some really great reporting on what's actually happening in terms of like because the reporters understand Internet culture. I feel like there's still yep. such a problem where people don't understand. And actually, I wanted to tell you guys, I just I was watching Anderson Cooper and Jatarth Jadeha, who we interviewed in our <gasps> QAnon episode, was interviewed by Anderson Cooper about QAnon. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Jatarth. we're one degree of separation from Anderson Cooper. Speculation, but honestly, I wonder if there's a producer or a booker or someone uh, oh, on the team podcast? somewhere who heard it or it's saw possible. saw it in print. I, you know, I, I hope so. Know. But also, going back to what you said, Matt, a lot of talk, you know, Anderson Cooper said so said to him, so did you believe that, like, I ate babies? You know what I mean? There was, like, <laughs> there was a lot of that, but still not, I feel like they barely talked about the yeah. fact. Yeah. The, How did this spread? Again, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Isn't this crazy? Ha ha ha. On to the next story. And no disrespect to Anderson Cooper, a great journalist. I mean, they but... did an in-depth thing about QAnon, but it was more like, here's QAnon, here's what they believe, mm-hmm. here's what a Q drop is. And it wasn't like social media companies are spreading false information. What are we going to do about the algorithms? Like, et cetera, et cetera. It was just like, look at this crazy thing that they believe. Do we think people are still having trouble like connecting the dots between some of the information that's out there and like real world things that are happening? It just seems like at this point it's kind of clear. Uh, but, to us, yeah, to people to, yeah. who are paying close attention, I don't yeah. I don't know. I don't but know I that guess, it's clear to yeah, most people. Yeah. Yes, you're right. If you don't understand the internet and you're not in these communities, you might not even, you know, know. 
my big takeaway here is that uh, someone from Anderson Cooper's show listens to this show and hello, we know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> if, if Anderson would like to be a guest, we will gladly have him. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we're down. Or or if he wants us on his show, that's cool, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Even better. Either yeah. way. All right, well, let's do some trivia. Mm-hmm. Let's do this trivia. Um, listen, I don't want to talk about the Donald anymore, okay? It's been four years. I'm sick okay, of it. Okay, but you know, this is, that's the whole episode, right? So He's out. <laughs> Buckle up! <laughs> I would like to talk about a different Donald, okay? The best Donald. That is, of course, Donald Duck. Specifically, Sweden appears to be, like, pretty obsessed with Donald Duck, this classic Disney cartoon character. I have three things to share about Sweden's obsession with Donald Duck. Two of these are true, true facts. One of them I made up. Honestly, I really like that this is the direction you went with this. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. Two of these are true. One is made up. You're looking for the false made up disinformation. Here we go. Okay. A... Since 1959, on every Christmas Eve at 3 p.m. sharp, half of the Swedish population stops what they're doing and they sit down to watch a Donald Duck cartoon. Again, that's Christmas Eve, Donald Duck time in Sweden. That is choice A. B, the Swedes love the Donald so much, Donald Duck, just to clarify, that they constantly write his name as a joke candidate on voting ballots uh, when they dislike the other choices. And in fact, the Donald Duck Party is so popular that if it were real, it would be the ninth most popular political organization in Sweden. That is choice B. Choice C. As of 2018, Donald Duck-themed weddings were the third most popular wedding decor in Sweden just behind springtime and fishing. That is choice C. So again, you're looking, which one of these did I make up? Two of them are true. I think the first one's made up. Okay. Okay, Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's bringing together like too many things. Although a wedding in Donald seems a little odd as well. None of these seem true, but uh, I know nothing about it. So let's go with the wedding is false. Allie goes with A, Christmas Eve television broadcast, and Jen goes with C, the Donald Duck weddings are Jen, false. Jen, I appreciate this diversification because I thought C could be the answer, and so we've got it covered. Fantastic. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. We will find out the correct disinformation after this commercial break. Hi, is this Grandma Party Hotline? Cool. Um, This is Jen, and I'm calling in to thank from the bottom of my heart the following people who donated to our Patreon at the $10 level or more. Thank you, Chris Harrison, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Melissa Elliott, James Dozier, Deborah Duberpants, Kathy Phillips, William, and Matthew Scott. Y'all are the best. Grandma, you're pretty sweet too. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and listen to that episode, Grandma Party Hotline. It was so long ago, but you're going to love it. Um, For the rest of you, if you want to donate to Patreon, I will call in to this line again. And thank you as well. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. And now a real cry for help. I mean post entitled, Stop Feeding Crows Bagels. From the website that like Yelp for birds, 
Next Door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. Stop feeding crows bagels. They aren't eating the bagels you're giving them. They are stashing them in my trees. And it's raining bagels at my house. Honestly, something that people say about California before I moved, I was like, that can't be true. And now I'm here and it's true. There are no decent bagels. And if it were raining bagels on my house, as long as they were like good New York bagels, I'd feel really good about it. I'll send you bagels anytime. A, B, bagel making is a big trend right now. I think it came out of like the whole sourdough and pandemic thing. Yeah. So maybe you should make some. Maybe I should, but I'm really lazy. And I'm a terrible <laughs> yeah. cook, you know? Mm-hmm. They always say, oh, the water. Like, is that truly what, what it is? That's what what is going say, on? Because I always thought it was ridiculous. I was like, bagels aren't yeah. that hard. Like, they're a bread product. But like, it is hard to find a good bagel here. Whereas mm-hmm. like in New York, they're just everywhere. I'm coming yeah. east soon and I plan to eat an everything bagel with whitefish salad every single day that I am there. Every day. Wow. Maybe not every day, but a lot of the days. A lot of the days. All right. All right. What is up with the Donald in Sweden? I gave you three scenarios about Donald Duck, a cartoon character that the Swedes are obsessed with for some reason. Allie, you thought that watching cartoons on Christmas Eve was false, that, 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 that I made that up. Sticking with that? Yeah, that's what I went with. Jen, you think that Donald Duck-themed weddings being very popular is false. Stick in there. I think so. Although I'll, I'll be surprised if the voting thing is true as well. But okay. yes, stick yep. it with C. Which of these was false? The correct answer is C. Yes. There are no Donald Duck weddings that I'm aware of <laughs> in Sweden. Oh, nice work. Yeah. The other two Thanks. are true. There is a Christmas-themed cartoon from the 50s that plays every Christmas Eve, and it is like a massive nationwide tradition. It's one of the most viewed television events in Sweden every single year. About half the population sits down to watch it on Christmas Eve. And also, they love Donald so much that he is uh, very popular on ballots and uh, I believe in 2006, the joke candidate writing was so out of hand that they passed a law that you can no longer write candidates into ballots. You have to vote for somebody if you're going to vote. Wow. Oh, man. How did we miss this, alley when we were on our Swedish adventure together? <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. You'd think you'd be everywhere. <laughs> um, also, I bet there's some fetish there. People love there's gotta be. Donald Duck porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, mm-hmm. remember when we performed Donald Duck fanfic? Oh, you're right. There's definitely Donald Duck porn and we've already performed it. So sorry. I don't know how I forgot that. (laughs) Allie played Mickey Mouse and you just, uh, it's not, you had one line that will always stay with me and like, it's not going to make sense to the listener. (laughs) we were like performing this raucous like weird sex like it was like fan fiction like sexy fan fiction and at least like innocent mickey mouse characters join in and then like mickey mouse comes in it's like i'll go get a cooler which i knew exactly what you were thinking of and it also was my favorite line because it made no sense (laughs) it was like they were having an orgy and like people were bringing things to the orgy and mickey was like i'll go get a cooler that was it. Didn't say what would be in the cooler. That's but. a very subdued. That's a very sad, subdued Mickey. Like I, I, I feel like you could, you could do. A- I, I actually, I don't remember. 
years ago, but I listened to his voice for a while. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds like this. Hey, guys, right? I'll go get a cooler. I'll go get a cooler. <laughs> I think, so but I think, I think my backstory was like Mickey was feeling a little left out. Like there was like no role for Mickey. And yes. then Mickey's like, I'll go get a cooler. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'll... I'll go get snacks. I'll, I'll make myself useful. <laughs> yeah, it was that kind of thing, you know? And that's where, I, that's where I learned how to do a quack because I was Daisy Duck and her orgasm okay. yes. wasn't just a big old quack. <laughs> also, when they had to actually fuck, we put you guys on a seesaw, which I don't know if the audience got, but I actually thought was like a brilliant representation of sex. <laughs> like, because they're children's characters, right? So we didn't want to actually show them being sexual, but like this fan fiction was so insane. So, but a seesaw, like, you're kind of bouncing up and down, but it's also, like, this kid's <laughs> thing. Like, I, I, and there's sometimes a give and take, I you know? thought that our, like, um, interpretation of it was, like, almost too good. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not familiar with our, our work on stage, you probably think we're a bunch of blasphemous perverts. <laughs> <laughs> Which we are. <laughs> Which we are, but now Jennifer is going to be a mother. I texted Jenna like a week ago, and I was like, I can't wait to one day tell your child about the dildo chandelier. <laughs> Which is something also I will our do. Also, live show. <laughs> All right, well, we got to talk about disinformation now. I think, right? Is it time? <laughs> yeah, just so we're clear, like uh, Disney characters do fuck each other. Like that's not that's canonical uh, disinformation. But we are mm-hmm. going to get into disinformation now. So we are so excited to have with us today Alex Thomas. Alex is a columnist for Playboy, a writer for Daily Dot, and he's part of the Daily Dot's Trump disinformation project. He wrote uh, an article recently for Daily Dot called "Team Trump Was in Bed with Online Insurrectionists Before He Was Even Elected," and we're going to talk to him today about the time that he spent on the subreddit The Donald. Welcome, Alex. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you here. What is this uh, disinformation project with the Daily Dot? Yeah, so we wanted to, at the end of the Trump era, highlight the ways that disinformation really took hold of the country. And so we did stuff on QAnon, all the sorts of things that really screwed up the world. Uh, And I I, I highlighted um, a a form called the Donald, which is was a Reddit form for a while. They got thrown off Reddit a few days ago. They I don't know, whatever happens anytime something gets too powerful on the Internet, it it fractured and it split off yet again. So I just kind of highlighted that. And a lot of the people that stormed the Capitol communicated with each other or they were in this echo chamber together and this was the main echo chamber where they were talking to each other i don't want to say the main one but it was one of the main ones can you back it up and just tell our listeners who might not be familiar a little bit about what r slash the donald was and explain how it was reformed after it was banned from reddit yeah so it this was a Reddit page, right? A subreddit is what they're called. Um, you know, they have them on everything. They have them on your favorite TV show has one of these. Uh, your favorite football team has one. This one was their favorite politician, Donald Trump. Well, I mean, at the time, he was barely a politician. He was largely I mean, he's just a still failed... barely a politician. Let's be yeah. serious. <laughs> <laughs> but you're implying that this this was this existed before he ran for office. Is that accurate? Uh, so it, it cropped up uh, around 2015 is when it first appeared. But mm-hmm. he he did an AMA, which is uh, 
quick for ask me anything on the page, which which really lended it authenticity in the same way that him going on Infowars lended it authenticity. You know what I mean? It it, it gave an era or era is not the right word, but it it gave an aura of like importance to this just absolute crazy place where nonsense happens. It's if it's as if uh Barack Obama showed up in Lewis Carroll's Wonderland. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> nuts. So mm-hmm. I mean, but it became as many things did in the past few years, important because Donald Trump amplified it. Can you tell us the ways in which he amplified it? One thing that started to happen was that his staffers were scrolling through this page and spending a lot of time on this page and figuring out what bits of conversation were resonating with his audience. And they were kind of using that. And Politico reported that in 2017, that his war room, which is not a Trump term, all campaigns have a war room, mm-hmm. were looking through this page by 2015, by the fall of 2015. So about a year before he's running for president. So this page becomes influential in a way that is not it's just bizarre. You know, Bernie Sanders has one of these pages too, but his wasn't really influential, I wouldn't say. I I would be very surprised, and I haven't really asked anybody on Bernie's team this, but I'd be very surprised if Bernie Sanders staffers were running through his Reddit page. Mm. Mm -hmm. Just so we get an idea of scope, how many people were on this subreddit? So this subreddit was tossed from Reddit in... I believe 2018. And at the time it had 800,000 subscribers. Um, so it had the, b- b- before it just before it jumped again, cause it recently jumped, I, I believe it had 7 million hits a month, which is on the, in the subreddit. Pretty, yes. Yeah. It's all, it's, it's a couple more million than I'd like, like seven. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, and, and what was the final straw that Reddit kicked them off? I, I just feel like these tech platforms, it's always like at the last possible fucking second. Everybody's like, yay, Twitter deplatformed Trump. And it's like, yeah, after there was a fucking insurrection, like how far does it have to get? But anyway, so what was the straw with Reddit? So what would happen would was there would be real life events where these guys would just throw like you know, incendiary trash into the world and and push it to the front of Reddit's page, which Reddit calls the front page of the internet, you know? Um, So one example would be after the mosque shooting in Orlando, they were throwing up all kinds of information and it was going to the front page of Reddit. And so Reddit bans them at the same time that they ban a couple of other pages where, you know, wait, wait, wait. you mentioned the shooting, but what was it that they got to the front page? Uh, they were getting a bunch of, uh, you know, misinformation. Like m- maybe this guy was a plant. This was a fake shooting. Uh, you know, th- this guy was heavily trained by ISIS or all kinds of stuff. And I mean, ISIS took, credit for this but i i don't believe that the guy was trained by them though i may be wrong about that but i'm you know th- so they were pushing all this nonsense right up to the front page of reddit and uh i mean i don't we don't really know what the behind the scenes conversations were but i would assume that reddit was pretty pissed off that they got clowned 
and taken advantage of by this community. Sidebar question asking for a friend. Is there a difference between misinformation and disinformation? Uh, <laughs> that I, friend is me. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't really know. I I yeah. I would call them the same thing. Yeah, but maybe it's about intent of like misinformation is like, oh, I think snow is caused by you know thunder. I don't know, and that's wrong. So I misinformed you. But if I tricked you into thinking something to benefit mm. myself, perhaps that is disinformation, which you know I the Trump campaign yeah. is I, is known yeah. to do. I would okay. have to side with Matt here. If we're going to define these right now, that's uh, the definition. <laughs> well, that you I heard would it use. here. He chose Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Let's ice him out. Ice him out. No. I, okay. Uh, okay. So back to the subject. Well, that that was not even a tangent. That was very relevant. But okay. So you've been lurking on the Donald for a long ass time, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been on there, you know, kind of popping around for years. And it's rather easy to identify uh, the people there. Like, I, I, um, when I when it first started becoming important, I like made a little game of seeing if I could find out who these people were that were talking on there. Because these people like, you know, they're in like their little echo chamber and they feel like they're safe. They don't realize that reporters are 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 lurking there, too. Yeah, how would you do it? How would you identify? You would be able to like kind of match their language with yeah, what, the other yeah, language in other places, or yeah, what do you mean? Reddit would tell you what state a person is from. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that <laughs> narrowed it down rather significantly. <laughs> and okay. if it was people in D.C., it was rather easy because they'd be like, "Oh, my boss said this," and I, and you know, it would take like twenty minutes for me to figure out. All right, so they work for this congressman. Oh, you know I what see. I mean? I see. Like, okay. Yeah. Mm. Totally. And a uh, Daily Caller writer got fired because he was, you know, he basically identified himself on there and mm. he was, you know, just posting vile, just racist, no anti Semitic nonsense. Mm hmm. Did you engage at all or was it just lurking? Oh, no, I didn't engage yeah. at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was curious. God. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So what did you see there? We would love to hear just a little bit about some of the disinformation that you saw, some of the posts, interactions, um, anything, you know, that kind of jumps out. It is very good at selecting the pieces of disinformation that will go viral. And you can see, it was actually pretty fascinating if it weren't so terrifying. These people like slowly like chisel out their little bits of how they're going to, you know, push this stuff. Uh, it, it never got extremely crazy. Like Pizzagate stuff would appear on there. QAnon stuff would appear on there. But it wouldn't dominate the page. But y you could see, like, how it was very easy to see how these people think. You know what I mean? It was almost like reading a transcript of a conversation. It, mm -hmm. Like I said, it was fascinating if it weren't so terrifying. Yeah. I think for most of us, like, there was a point at which, okay, these were like people in their parents' basement. Like, who cares? At what point, or maybe very early on, did you realize, like, this is serious and people need to be paying more attention to this? Yeah, I realized it at after the Pizzagate shooting, after this guy shot up. So a guy from North Carolina came up to D.C. and shot up our pizza shop, one of our pizza shops, which is a very good pizza shop. He said they had, you know, they were torturing kids. They were running a child sex slave dungeon out of the basement in this pizza shop, which does not have a basement. 
Uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't. I I'm unfortunately they never posted the blueprints of the pizza yeah. shop on Reddit. So mm-hmm. that's when I kind of figured it out. You actually heard saw talk of PizzaGate in this subreddit before it happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they okay. were talking. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't come right out and say it, you know. Mm-hmm. But there were all these winks and nods. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm sometimes they came out and said it. But you know, there were all these winks and nods. Like, oh, I'd love some pizza with that. You, they thought like. They had all these weird code words like pizza stood for child, cheese stood for like mm-hmm. some kind of weird sex or like, I don't know. It was just yeah, bizarre. Yeah. Cheese does equal weird sex, though. That's um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, but... I, of course. I'm toast intolerant, so it gets even weirder <laughs> then. But um, how did the content or tone change over the course of Trump's presidency? I mean, they became emboldened. Right. I'm their mm-hmm. guy. Uh, Donald Trump on this forum is called is referred to as G.E.O.T.U.S., which is a play on POTUS, which, of course, is the acronym for the president of the United States. But on this forum, he was God Emperor of the United States. Wow. And so they they thought, you know, this uh, didn't thought they knew this was their guy. You know, he was echoing the same things that they the same crazy shit that they were saying and once you know we figured out that his team was looking at this uh i remember seeing a post by this guy in dc who you know i later figured out knew tucker carlson saying that tucker's writers were on there like this place became a a pretty legitimate place did you ever hear like in a Trump speech or something like him through his words reflecting what you had seen on the platform? Just you experienced that yourself? Oh, all the time. All yeah. the time. Frequently immigrant stuff mm-hmm. would be the exact same kind of stuff that you'd hear that you would expect to see on this forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, demonizing immigrants in vague terms. Uh, you know, the, the caravan thing was huge on this subreddit. Uh, he didn't ever echo the crazy, super crazy stuff like the false flag shootings like that didn't really pop up in his speeches. But yes, yes, mm-hmm. you could if you were on this site, you knew. Yeah, ha, I, but it's, it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg thing. So like, d- is it there and th- is it on Reddit? And then his staffers are, are saying like, hey, this is what your fan base wants or like. Did he say it? And then the subreddit picked it up. Like, how do you know which came first? That's a good question. But one thing I'll say there is that after he would say something that they liked that spoke to them, it would just blow up. Mm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? The subreddit would explode with people. They would literally the quotes, the comments would literally be he's saying what we've been saying. So, okay, Yeah. Okay. So that was a good way to identify it. I'm glad I asked that question and I'm adding to it. What do the staffers, what is their goal? Are they trying to understand what the crazy base wants and then fulfill that? Is it market research? Or what, is the, what is the reason for a staffer to be monitoring this forum? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's definitely the first. You know, they're trying to understand what his supporters want because as much as, you know, we can say Donald Trump's an idiot, he understands the people he's talking to. You know, he understands that he's talking, he he knows that he's talking to the God, they took our jobs guys from South Park, and he's very good at talking to them. 
if his his staff in the war room, them looking at it, they were, you know, kind of pushing these same ideas that came up in other places. And, you know, his speechwriter, uh, Stephen Miller, you know, emails came out with him where he was talking about stuff he saw on uh, a website called American Renaissance, which is a straight up neo-Nazi site. So his speechwriter was pulling from a neo-Nazi site? Yes. Cool. Yes. Cool. Uh, yeah. And th- this came out in uh, emails between a-, a member of this weird white supremacist group that we have in D.C. There's like, you know, I mean, but this is, you know, these guys wear suits and stuff. But one mm-hmm. of them eventually flipped and, you know, all these emails started flooding out. A bunch of them came out in BuzzFeed. Some of them came out in uh, the one I just referenced came out in Southern Poverty Law Center. So it's not really surprising. And it's the standard for his little group of people was that they would frequent these really trashy sites. And I remember talking to people I knew in the White House years before the Capitol riot and talking to them about QAnon and them just being like, oh, we don't know about it. And I was just like, you do. You don't want to tell me you know about it. You don't want to tell me that he's talking about it, but he's well aware of this. And then it came out recently that he brought it up in a meeting at some point and his chief of staff like didn't know what to say. So QAnon specifically. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump was like, what do we think of these guys? These look like good people or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I believe that's not verbatim, but it's very close to verbatim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how prevalent was foreign trolling on the platform as far as you could tell? There's a group of professors who have studied this pretty extensively. And I, and I talked to them quite a bit for this piece to kind of understand, um, you know, they've spent hours and hours and hours looking at this site. And they studied, uh, Reddit released uh, the, na- the f- usernames of foreign trolls or people they believe to be foreign trolls on the site. And this was... The 13th most popular subreddit for foreign trolling activities. So, yes, foreign trolls, Iranians, largely Iranians and Russians, were on this site pushing stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wouldn't believe that if, if you told the people on that site, look, some of these people here are working for the GRU. They'd just be like, oh, you know, we don't believe that. So, mm-hmm. And just for context, it is operatives of other governments posing as Trump supporters to be in part of the echo chamber to then influence the supporters and therefore, as you just explained, the policies or agendas of the of the administration itself. Is that is that correct? Accurate? Yeah, 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 yeah. We call them uh, state sponsored actors Mm -hmm. is the term that you'll hear because, you know, they they Putin and whatever government leaders try to put one degree of separation between themselves and the internet research agency or whatever group they're using. But yeah, it's the same way that when the CIA overthrows a government, you guys don't walk in and say, we're the CIA. You know what I mean? We're just (laughs) resistance fighters or some, whatever their thing is. Yeah. But, But it's crazy to me that like in normal espionage, it's about penetrating the inner circle, but because of the symbiosis between crazy internet people and the administration itself two two bubbles that never intertwine in our history rarely do that leaves the the our our government open to this uh interception it's it's 
I don't know. It's, it blows my mind when, when I, when you lay it out like that for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's very terrifying. And yeah. you know, I, I live in DC where there are spies everywhere. You know what I mean? We, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. And, and when I tell people that they're like, Oh, you're full of shit. And I'm like, no, this is where they hang out. You can go and watch <laughs> and talk to each other if you want. Like, um, there's, there's a couple places like at one point DC had this microscope shot. We only sold microscopes. Uh, <laughs> I swear. And this was on Connecticut Avenue. Yeah. And they'll probably, uh, I don't, I don't want to say this was a spy place cause I don't want to like, you know, end up with a lawsuit from a microscope shop, but you know. microscopes is almost like two on brand. You know what I mean? For investigation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's not it was such a joke. Yeah. And it was a joke the whole time it was in the yeah. city. Everybody was like, nobody, nobody. There's no microscope shop in DuPont Circle. So, right. Yes. Right. God, okay. There's so much you've just said. Like, I don't even know which direction to go. But I guess, like, what can be done about this? Like, do the platforms have a responsibility to shut this shit down before it gets so big? Like, where do we even start? Oh, of course the platforms have a responsibility to shut this shit down. The platforms okay, but, don't. Yeah. But. Right. How can we pressure them to do that? Because I feel like we've seen this over and over and over again where they shut it down, i.e. Twitter and Donald Trump's account. They shut it down way too late when the damage is already done. Where do we go from here? I mean, so this site has recently rebranded again right now. It was it was the Donald, the underscore Donald on Reddit and Reddit tossed them. And they went to this other site called the Donald dot win, which is very similar. Dot win. Is that like a dot com or is that a, a platform? What is dot win? That's a it's it's like a dot com. It's their own, okay. you know, their own domain. Right. So at that point, can it be shut down? And if so, by who? If action is going to be taken, the best way to have that action taken is to pressure the server people, the people that are hosting them. Uh, that's the same thing that happened with Gab and Parler. Uh, Parler was using Amazon servers, and of course they got tossed. There's no more mm -hmm. Parler. Uh, Parler's probably not going to come back because it's not cheap to host your own servers. It's very expensive. Mm, okay. Uh, so if there is a vaccine for this, I would say that's probably the best. And I know there are arguments that it doesn't, but I think deplatforming works. The world has become a better place since Donald Trump was tossed off Twitter. Uh, when neo-Nazis get tossed off the internet, it is for good. Sure, for, for sure, for sure. I just think they should internet. be tossed off sooner. Oh, yeah. oh, we all think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all think they should have canceled the Big Bang Theory sooner, you know? Like something... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Some things are just, you know, they're bad and they're not going to stop being bad. And yet now uh, we have young Sheldon. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and the Donald has rebranded. It's now Patriots.win. You know? Oh, like, right. mm -hmm. uh, so um, you wrote in your Daily Dot piece that we read that the Donald, even more than 4chan and some other places, made disinformation mainstream. So why is that? Yeah, so this is something that I drew from uh, the papers uh, that these professors wrote. And these papers are very good. And they're very, I, if you're like me and you're fascinated by this stuff, they are very interesting. So I, I want to definitely give a nod to the professors. I talked to this guy, Jeremy Blackburn, 
so things would pop up on 4chan and they would they would get narrowed down. So one of the things he said to me was the craziest shit that appeared on 4chan didn't ever appear on the Donald. So mm-hmm. this completely wild Pizzagate, you know, the far extremes of the QAnon beliefs didn't really appear there. But this site was very, very good at natural selection in selecting the things that would go mainstream. So the things that were going to appear on largely read sites and places like Infowars or the Gateway Pundit or the Federalist or any place that publishes nonsense that, you know, has a history of publishing untrue stories. The Donald was where those themes got winnowed out into something that could go mainstream. Why? Why? Right. Uh, because it was a lot of like-minded people who were bouncing ideas off of each other and they had one foot in reality. You know what I mean? They had obviously one foot in crazy land, but they had another foot in reality and they understood, look, nobody's going to believe me if I say that aliens shot up Las Vegas. But they might believe me if I say Las Vegas was a false flag shooting because the gun control groups want to take your guns away. Mm. What is a false flag shooting? Uh, yeah. So people were saying, you know, uh, you know, the gun rights groups and the gun nuts were all saying, uh, you know, these school shootings or mosque shootings. As soon as there's a shooting, it's going to take about a day. Before a story pops up on one of these crazy sites saying that it's not real. Yeah. And 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 this is another part of how the Donald plays into this is is that Donald was very good at selecting because there's usually one tiny little fact that these people have that they use to spin this conspiracy theory. So um with the Vegas shooting, one of the things that I remember seeing on the Donald and other sites were photos were released of this guy who killed himself, whatever that terrorist's name was. And they used this to like prove uh, that this wasn't real. And Sandy Hook, there was a sh- camera shot where Anderson Cooper's nose looked a little bit weird. Or it wasn't Anderson Cooper, I don't think. I think it was like some CNN. Act, some yeah, CNN Anderson person. Cooper's nose always looks perfect. Is that what you, because were you going to? Yeah, well, I okay, mean, he's a so Vanderbilt, you know. He's got <laughs> incredible blood. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was some CNN person, but his nose like looked a little bit weird. And they're like, this is clear evidence that this is a green screen. Uh, and yeah, so. Yeah. Like, again, I would love to not have to explain this. Yeah, because I want to go back and say, but why? But why and how? Like, I just don't get the root of this. Yeah. uh, Because people are crazy. And it used to be that you would have your uncle come to Thanksgiving dinner and he would start talking like I have a crazy uncle. He thinks there's gold in rocks that he finds. That's cute. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah you, know, you know, and let him. It's harmless. You let know him what live. I mean? He well, that's to, fun. Oh, well, he's an anti-Semite in all kinds. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. Too bad. But, well, the but, Jews did uh, hide the gold in the rock, 
Sucks. You heard it here. Yeah. Yeah. It got real bad real fast. So I I don't really have much sympathy. But but now all those uncles are talking to each other on this (laughs) website. So he's got it's the 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 point was you didn't throw these people in a room together. I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Part of me really agrees with you, and part of me thinks it's a problem when we write them off as crazy, even if they are, because like, I don't know. I'm I'm Jen and Matt know, but I met a QAnoner this week and it was this like chipper old retiree lady. And then I don't even know how it came up and boom, it was just like all Democrats are pedophiles. They're going to legalize quote abortion at nine months. I mean, it just went off the deep end so fast. And it's just like, there are so many more than we'd like to admit. I mean, you, you said, you know, 7 million page views or whatever it was before it was deplatformed from Reddit. So just like, yeah. So, I mean, a part of me is like, yes, I just want to call them all fucking crazy. But part of me is like, we, I don't know. We need to look at them. You're right. I agree with you. It's just, it's disinformation and it's the, and it's everyone talking to each other. And, you know, Jen asked, what's the false flag? And we also asked why. And I, I, you know, my working theory, not an expert, people need an enemy. You need an enemy to galvanize a group of like-minded people to say it wasn't a terrorist that shot up the mosque or the school. It was a fake actor from the uh, gun regulation people, and now they're going to take away our guns. And this was a this was a red herring. It was a fake out in order to push the agenda that we don't like. It's about factionalizing people. It's not about craziness or not craziness. You know. I, yeah. I, my theory is that it's like people who haven't necessarily gotten the things that they want in life and then this makes them feel this kind of power because they like have this higher truth and now they're the investigators and they're the journalists and like this is that's that's it no that's i think i think that's spot on we've had conspiracy experts and former conspiracy thinkers on the show who have said exactly what Ali just said. I felt powerless. And then this idea of knowing the real truth gave me power. That's what this is. These people need a way to explain their reality. You know, Mm -hmm. people used to go to church or and, and, you know, church. uh, God obviously plays a large part in QAnon. I don't even think it's church. It's like going back to mythology. It's like we have the we have like Greek mythology now. It's like this is how the world works, and it like there's no. It's just like you making up stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have loved ones who are QAnon people or any anything like that, I mean, it's a pretty good time right now to reach out to them because they've lo- Donald Trump's not the president anymore and he's not going to become the president again for at least another four years. And they're going to try to <laughs> figure this shit out somehow. So we have to try to bring these people back And the way to talk to them is not to just tell them they're wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think you got to kind of try to listen to them and it, I don't know. It's it's so bad. I don't know. I mean, this QAnon <laughs> like, lady, the number of times that she like yelled at me that I was brainwashed and I can get bitchy, but I just like stayed super calm. I was like, I totally respect your opinion. I just, you know, haven't seen anything about abortion at nine months. Like if you could send me those links, which of course she never did because I'm like, <laughs> she's in a QAnon subreddit, re- wormhole, 4chan, something. Yeah, that's the way to do it, Allie. No, yeah. she, it did, but it, it was not 
successful is my point you know what i mean it was not yeah. Successful. oh yeah she, oh yeah. yeah she kept calling me brainwashed she started sending me links which i brought up upon myself because i gave her my email but all of it was just like tucker carlson shit now I, uh, I, I sent her back like that lawsuit where tucker carlson where fox's own lawyers were like you can't sue him because he doesn't deal with facts oh, like he's not, not news, yeah right? he's not yeah he's, he's, he's not facts like I mean, um are you seeing in your lurking that people are leaving now? Is this a p- p- pivotal time or are they doing what they've always done? Which actually going back to like our flat earth episode is like you show them the evidence and then they work backwards and say the experiment was wrong. Like, are, are they rewriting? Are they leaving or are they rewriting things? I'd say it's a little bit of both, but largely what you're seeing is desperation. You know, these people are very desperate. Their moment of truth fell through. You know, they're, they're, they're looking for something and they're looking very hard and very ferociously. And at some point, they're going to land on some batshittery that rivals their previous batshittery. And that's why I think right now is the time to kind of try to bring these people back into re- reality. Nobody's trying to turn the QAnon people into Democrats. You know, we're just trying to get them to have both feet or even one foot at this point in reality. Right. right. But I don't really have much faith in it. Uh, I mean, I hate to push for governmental intervention, but at some point, oh, like, I absolutely F- think we should regulate the shit out of the internet. Oh no, you were going to go with the FBI. Oh, yeah. Okay, go for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, but no, but I mean, I think the FBI needs to start monitoring this stuff yeah. a little yeah. bit they more do. closely. They do. They do. Yeah. What the fuck? I went on a hinge date with an FBI dude. I'll let him know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, dude, you're not doing your fucking job. What's going on over there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they they went Have inside you the Capitol. Heard about yeah okay so alex based on you know everything that you've seen what like to what extent do you think trump knew about the planned attack on january 6th i don't want to say that he was imminently or he knew everything about it but there were signs like if his people were spending time on this website they were seeing the signs uh one thing i wrote about in this story was one of the posts where a guy posted detailed maps of the Capitol building and the tunnels underneath the Capitol building and which tunnels they needed to block. Like they were plotting this thing rather extensively on this website. So I, I'm and Donald Trump knew his people were going to go to the Capitol. You know, the idea, at one point in the in the speech, he said, march patriotically and peacefully. And every time I talk to a Republican member of Congress, that's what they tell me. Oh, he said it was peaceful. But no, he, he knew exactly what was going on when he said, come to D.C. on, July, on January 6th. And when he said, go to the Capitol, I don't buy any of this nonsense that he didn't know what was going on and what was going to happen. Final thoughts on what we can all do about this? I mean, just what we talked about, right? If you've got loved ones that are into this kind of shit, try to bring them back. Listen to them. Understand that they're trying to make sense of their reality. And I don't know what it is. I would like to say it's to put a good book in their hand, but that's not it. You know, I don't really know what you do to bring these people back. Uh, I think that we all need to be putting more pressure on platforms. Uh, Facebook is obviously 
just garbage awful at this. Yeah. H- how? How can we put more pressure on them potentially? I mean, get off Facebook. Oh, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. The, the dilemma is uh, that involves like 70 other co- other companies if you're really going to like quit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah but mean, get off the news feed. Get off that news. Like you can't escape Facebook's uh, invasion of your privacy, <laughs> but you can get away from the content that is in the it's the, that news feed that surfaces. Right. But I'm talking about what people. can we do to pressure companies to do better content moderation to regulate yeah, to deplatform yeah, yeah. like what can we mm-hmm. do i think probably the main thing is it's going to have to come out of the fourth estate right i mean the the best thing that's happened the only thing that has really caused changes on these platforms are reporting showing their hypocrisy uh so mm-hmm. i did a story for the daily dot a while ago on uh this rapper named Takashi Six Nine, and he has a child sex offense. He's a he's a pedophile essentially in the eyes of the law. And mm-hmm. Instagram has a policy that you can't be a pedophile and be on their platform. And he eventually went off Instagram. But uh, I mean, it, it's going to have to come out of largely from uh, journalists. And I hate to put a lot of faith in the news media (laughs) but that's largely where it's going to have to come out of but i mean i would say just get off facebook get off if you can get off instagram get off okay well then i'm gonna pivot and say how can we support journalists in this work yeah so there are some very very good journalists that are writing about this that really look into this world uh there's a guy named ben collins at nbc his partner uh, his work partner not his you know relationship partner is a woman named Brandy Zadronski, I believe, who's very good. Uh, I have a friend named Jared Holt, who is very, very good at this, at research on this kind of stuff. BuzzFeed has a few reporters that are good on this. But I I think probably the main thing that we need to do is understand that this has seeped very, very, very far into our society and that it's not going to go away on its own, which I think that we all had thought and hoped for a long time. So we need to stand up to reality and you know realize this is, for at least the next, I would say, probably half decade, this is going to be a constant battle. And support public journalism or mm. public broadcasting yeah. might be an addendum because you know i i admire all the people that alex just mentioned and their entire the good and important work that they're doing has been gutted by an advertising industry that flows all the money into facebook the platform that we all should quit so the answer is you know an npr model where hey if you want good journalism to exist throw a few bucks at it if you can because that's the only hope i I think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think that's probably it you know i mean we're living in this polarized world with fox news on one side and msnbc on the other side and uh you know public journalists uh people like npr or you know your local support local journalists i mean that the Mm -hmm. fuck the fact that that isn't happening enough yeah i mean Mm -hmm. uh i mean i've i've lost a job because of facebook uh Mm -hmm. i mean most of us have if you're in journalism at one point or another wait what do you mean you've lost a job because of facebook oh i worked at a platform where we 
drove traffic on Facebook and, and then Facebook they changed, changed the- their algorithm yeah. and we all got the axe. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, okay. but mo- I mean a, yeah, most of us have. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say support journalists and don't support journalists because you agree with them. Support mm-hmm. them because they're producing important work. So support journalism. Don't support punditry. You, you know, Maddow is, is wonderful, but she's a pundit. She, she's not in. She's not doing journalism day to day. I heard this uh, great line. I want to say it was Katie Couric that says we're trafficking too much in affirmations rather or maybe it was mm. confirmations rather rather than information. Mm-hmm. Affirmation instead of information. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Alex. It's been wonderful having you here. Well, next time we talk, it'll be a little bit more hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. Maybe. All right, folks. Well, you heard it here. Support journalists who are doing good work uh, locally. I know, Ali, I really had admire how you're trying to get to that nugget of what can we do? (laughs) Because I feel like this has come up quite a bit in in our conversations. And I think you're right that like, we, yeah. And and, I mean, Alex was saying like, this is kind of infiltrated so deeply disinformation has into how into our society, like every single day that there needs to be some small steps that we can all take. So I thought that was good information for all y'all out there. Yeah, it's just so tough. Because it's like, all right, awareness, 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 but like we really need to fucking do something. So yeah, sport journalists that are doing good work, not journalists you necessarily agree with. Oh, I have a kernel of of optimism that I took away from this. Yes, if what? you're interested. He's back. He's just Maybe. a guy optimist. I really need to <laughs> review what that actual song is, but I think it's from South Pacific. <laughs> I think it I is. Think it you're is. Right. I think that's right. <laughs> okay. As Alex was saying, the the great deplatforming, deplatformation is begun way too late, as you have said, Ali. And sadly, we can never truly stamp it out. You deplatform, you know, Amazon, Twitter, they remove the hosting from these platforms. Someone could still spin up a server in their basement and host Parler or well, host the Donald. Don't give them ideas, Matthew. They know they can do it. It's I'm all getting, about bandwidth getting, and money and whatever. So it you can never truly get rid of it, but. The kernel of hope, perhaps, is that most internet users only understand and know how to go onto a free website, a free social media platform, and and get disinformation, misinformation there, and become part of this conspiracy thinking. So, if Uncle Johnny doesn't get the disinformation, has to work harder, way harder, to get disinformation, maybe he's like, ah, fuck it, I'll just watch Fox yeah. News and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, totally. Can we deplatform enough so that most people can't access it on the regular? Only the deepest, darkest, most insidious, like, sects, cults of these people. And those people will always exist. And there's only so much you can do. Does that make sense? Totally. We kind of talked mm-hmm. about that in our something awful episode about, you mm-hmm. know, it's $10. Like what kind of barrier a is barrier $10? To entry. Exactly. To, to, yeah. Be a part of the site. But I think we concluded that it's probably pretty significant for most people enough to just, you know, because you're, you're making decisions so quickly when you're on the internet. And I probably would just close the page, to be honest. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Well, that's something else. Well, tweet mm-hmm. at us, folks. We only always hear what you think, uh, whether you agree with us or not. <laughs> I'm at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. 
I'm at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail. You know by now that's our favorite, so please do that. That phone number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6548. And join our Discord server. Um, I'm pretty sure by now everybody you know has been on Discord or at least heard of it, but it's completely free. It's kind of like a chat room. It's really fun and listeners of the show are there. Sometimes our guests come and we're there. So discord.gg slash 2G1P. Join us. Ali, if they would like to contribute, what do they do? Please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and you can contribute at any level you like. It really does help us keep making the show and shop at grocery stores that don't have too much plastic. I miss you, Trader Joe. <laughs> Okay, everybody, go out there and support good news. <laughs> Have a great week. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg, then uncovered by very confused alien archaeologists. 200,000 years from now, I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. It's raining bagels at my house!